Hey guys, Maria Menounos here for AfterBuzz TV's After Show for Feud Season 1, Episode 3, entitled Mommy Dearest. Stay tuned! Here we come! Tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin! Guys, we are so excited! Feud Episode 3! Was epic. Everything. Uh, my mama said. I think this montage breaks mama up there with the, some of the Breaking Bad montages. I thought this montage was incredible to this song. Oh my God, guys! I'm Maria Menounos, and I'm joined with my feud friends: Justin Sylvester at the Lady Center, Fern Rone at Fern Rone, Kevin Undergaro at the Tomorrow Show. Technically, he's my fiance now, my friend. Guys, this episode was amazing. It was oh everything we had been waiting for. Um, where do we even start? I mean... I mean, uh, the birth of Mommy Dearest. Mommy yeah. Dearest. The the name of the episode. They went there. They, they went, went there. there. They went there. You know what I love about the whole situation is that in this whole, you know, this whole episode, you kind of see the backgrounds and how they were raised, how they became the women mm-hmm. they are. You know, it's a flashback. Mm-hmm. And they get really vulnerable with the audience and with each other. And I think that's such a great moment for this whole series because you get to see them. I yeah. love when they talk about their childhoods because it round. I always want to know people's childhoods. It makes so much sense about the person they are. Well, yeah, yeah. It rounds them out. Yeah. Well, because you're just a grown-up version of that kid. You're just an older version of the kid. That's exactly who we are. We're products of our environment, and you see that in this episode mm-hmm. with both of them. Their childhoods really formed who they were, and we can get into that a little bit deeper, of course. Um, but you know, Joan really transferred her childhood anger oh my God. from her mom to Christina, as you could see. And like we said, Mommy Dearest was born. I, I was uh, I was surprised that they went so on the nose with Mommy Dearest because Mommy Dearest, the movie, although is iconic and famous, you know, if you do research on the film, it's... And I know Jay... And this gets you upset when we say that. I'm sorry. Don't come for Mommy Dearest. I, <laughs> I always qualify that I love it. I'm obsessed with it. And I think Faye Dunaway did a great job. What I was surprised as I did my research is how it got a Razzie Award, how it's like thought of as, as cult and camp, how it's seen as a comedy now. I mean... What? Yeah. And Fern, you, were watch- yeah, you watched we, it this week. We watched week. it last night, and there were times Fern, where I, I was... Fern, I will stab cra- you. <laughs> I'm sorry, but there were times where I was cracking up. I told you this, and you agreed. You are like, yeah. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> there's times when the acting is so not subtle. It takes you out of it. And we were hysterical. There were parts where I made it, my husband rewind, because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> and then there were other times where, the, where you can see that Faye Dunaway has something within her that is this woman... And it's very real. So it was a little inconsistent, but yeah, there were some funny parts so, that were not so intentionally it, funny. It was just, I just was, I don't know, it's, it's felt like the pendulum was shifting the other way where people were starting to kind of ease up on Joan Crawford's legacy and even look at the daughter and go, you know, maybe yeah. that wasn't so nice. Maybe that was a little too extreme. And I, I feel like that anyway. I don't know if that's how it was going, but it felt like there was more forgiveness yeah. over the years of the public image of Joan Crawford. And for Ryan to be like, no, mommy dear, it's like this is <laughs> this is who she is. I th- I thought it was cool. I, th- I thought it was brave of him to do that. Yeah, you know what's also really 
cool is that she raised Christina like her mother raised her mm. and then she went back in with the twins and raised them like the nuns raised her. Yeah. Like it was like she kind of sort of like mm-hmm. not messed up with Christina but yes, she saw no. her mother no. in that way and then she went back and raised the twins like she was raised and by the nuns. And to your point to your point when the you see their room there's all toys and, and what we were told with Christina and Christopher's they got nothing. Nothing. So because I never got anything from my mother. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And it's so funny because she didn't want to show her lighter side in front of the twins. So when um, when Mama Sita gave her the card to sign, she was like, yeah. "No, I'm not sending flowers. We'll see after after it's her reviews." Yeah. And then the girls went to the bathroom, and then she's like, "Okay, give me the card. Mm-hmm. I didn't want them to see me, you know, be mm-hmm. soft on her because I don't want them to get to think that I'll do that." Get for too them. comfortable. I was going to ask you Isn't why. Isn't that amazing? I was going to ask you why. That's but but that's also like what I was. I remember writing notes like her upbringing was a direct fl- reflection of who she became. Right. So she was always craving that affection and that attention, which is why she really became a movie star and why she was, you know, hopping into beds with guys at 11 years old. Oh, right. oh my that's god. So disturbing. Right. Like that's child molestation. That's like not on her. This poor kid and is she 11 had years no old. No problem with it. Yeah, I feel she like that's her him, she said. I know, but, but I feel like know. no 11-year-old is responsible for that. That was her being taken advantage of even if she thought she was luring him like a proper adult would be like, you don't behave that way. She wanted she to have control no even over the story now. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. like, exactly. I did it. No Guys, one took advantage the, of yeah, exactly. yeah. The contrast, Betty Davis says it very quickly in this, but she, Betty had said in many interviews that she did not have sex until she was 26 or 27. 27 it yeah. was. And, and no, 27 so, is when she first became active, and it was another tw- two years 25 after 25 she became active, and then she 27 got the she lost. Right. She yeah. got the tingle, yeah. So... <laughs> Guys, an eleven. Someone who, one <laughs> at the other one side of the table loses the Virginia eleven. The other one at twenty-seven. And Betty's face was like, Ugh. right. But now we know in the first two episodes she uses sex as a way to manipulate men. Mm-hmm. But now we know that she learned it when she was eleven. And the reason why she didn't think anything was wrong with it because that's all she knew. She no. learned it at such a young age. No, not only that, she was desperate to leave the convent. Right? Isn't that what she said? She was desperate to leave the convent, and this was kind of a way to get out of there. Like her home life was horrible. The convent was horrible. So now she 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 was able to run away with this guy. Yeah, Yeah. who was her mother's husband or boyfriend? I can't remember now. Eventually, it was a second husband. Husband. So they were married. So at eleven, she sleeps with her mom's husband. But then you also see how the convent really shaped her. Right. So it taught her the discipline, discipline, cleanliness, order. Yeah, which I like. I like that because the other girls at the there were other girls at this it was kind of like a Miss Hannigan where she was like the poor girl who had to take care of all of them and they could just be there so she was also resentful of other girls who had things handed to them yeah which is why good point that is so insane and by the way I just want to point out that if I was Christina Crawford I'd be so motherfucking pissed (laughs) that I had to put up with all that shit and then the twins and come along. And the twins along. come along oh, yeah. and take all the money. And then dot, 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 the two million she has left in her estate, go to the twins. Go to the twins. Wow. And, for, and what's her line to Christopher in, in the will? It says, for reasons well aware to them or something well like that. They're oh! getting no yeah, money. Yeah, 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 yeah. They get nothing for reasons well aware to them or something to that. From the grave, she was still mommy I think dearest. she contested yes. the will, though. I think what's she did that? eventually get something. No, no. She contested so, so, it. So yeah. Christina and Christopher sue the Crawford estate saying that the mother was not in sound mind that the twins manipulated the mother into redoing the will and, and she redid the will in 76 she dies in 77 so they win the suit and of the two million dollar estate and with an estate you have to understand there's cash assets but then there's the name 
Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that when you when you own the name, you, st- you in the image, you can still do stuff like that. Like like Lucille Ball's daughter, Lucille Arnaz, manages Lucille Ball's name. The Sinatra kids manages Sinatra name. So there's still a lot of money involved in that. What she what she received after the case uh, was fifty five thousand dollars that she split with Christopher <gasps> after the lawyers. Yes. Uh-uh. No, not even after the lawyers. That's what they were awarded. Oh, before the lawyers, thousand oh, dollars. So she left with five grand and a, and a toothpick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, key, the key line I thought in the well, first of all, the, there were a lot of key lines the in this, din- no, this no, episode. I'm the by scene, the way, no, I'm talking about the scene at drinks with Betty and Joan. This is a huge scene, you guys. Wait, can we huge. talk about what led to that scene, though? Sure. Because what led to that scene was her conversation with the director about BD being in the movie, and so Betty is manipulating Joan into try to, into trying to have a soft landing with her, in a sense. So she's yeah. like, you know, let me ask you something. You know, um, you have two well-trained pomeranians. Two well-trained <laughs> pomeranians. How did you do that? How did you do that? And so they have this whole conversation. And then she she's like, we should have drinks, Crawford. Let's. Do drinks. Right? She's wearing her down. Yeah, and Joan right? almost in a way is like, really? You want to have drinks with me? I have no friends. I, I, I said it out loud. I go, she has no friends. She has no life. She of course well she's going to go. It's so crazy. But also at that drinks and dinner, I think what you're getting to is what I saw is, you know, you keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Mm. And when they start sharing intimate things about their past and how they grew up, it was them being vulnerable only to get inside the other one's mind, I feel. But you also have to, like, you know, you build people up, you build that trust up so you can tear it down at some point. Ooh. And I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down hard. I, I think that's what Betty was doing, but I think Joan really, she really softened her. You can't hate someone whose story you know, and it's so yes. true. Yes. As she got to know her, she she couldn't give it to Head Hopper. She yeah. couldn't go but after her. But this is going to come back, and I'm telling you, in episodes mm-hmm. to come, mm-hmm. she's going to use that information that Joan was a hoe oh, yeah. at 11. She's going to use it. Oh well, yeah, yeah, at some um, point, it's, Joan, it's like yeah, Betty, yeah, there's you, you know, not many people are going to just sit and take it. So mm-hmm. at some point, she's going to fight back. By yeah. the way, mm-hmm. the the scene with the uh, daughter with BD really happened, and so I did deep did Which some one? deep diving with the excuse me with the twins in BD. Um, BD Hyman is an interview we were talking mm-hmm. about. She's mm-hmm. with a Philadelphia news station promoting her book about her mother. Spill the tea, Kevin. Well, <laughs> she was, so BD is, I think we talked about this on so she goes on to write a book, My Mother's Keeper, and basically just trashes her mother that is done in a way that probably the only worst way is Mommy Dearest, but pretty bad. And when she's out promoting the book, somehow the story comes up about her meeting Joan Crawford. And she was talking to the twins, and she said the twins just had on overalls, and they were dressed like little girls still, and both their heads were down, and they were scared and all that stuff. Well, BD was talking to them or whatever, and and Joan saw it and came over and said, you do not talk to my daughters, and blah, blah, blah. So it had nothing to do with a cigarette? Well, we don't know that. BD, this is BD's version of the story. Got it. What we know is BD was talking to them and the mother felt Joan Crawford felt it was a bad influence and came in and stopped it and said get away from my kids basically in the, in the polite Joan Crawford kind of way and then I did BD, it in a kind way and then BD went on to explain what the plastic and all the furniture was now by the way oh. this is an interview from 30 years ago she said because she was a huge germaphobe Huge, yeah. huge germaphobe. And that was the tea with Kevin, brought to you by <laughs> Lichtenberg. That was kind of fun. <laughs> um, and how- what about Betty saying at, the, at that drinks, 
my mom was my only female friend. I and know. And Joan said, "You're lucky. You're lucky." And that's because to she your never point, even had one. To your point, Maria, she yeah. had no friends. Yeah, it. You know, we talked about this in the other episodes too. They were so similar. Mm-hmm. They were so similar. They had complete parallel lives in so many ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's anyone out there that is Team Joan over Team Betty, or most people Team Betty? I oscillate because sometimes I feel like Joan is the weaker character and she's kind of the underdog at times. So I find myself rooting for her and then I flip because I Well, think outside of feud, I'm saying the real life people. Oh, I think people in yeah. that age, I think it was like a firm. In that hand. age, but I'm saying today. Oh, today, I don't know. I think, you know, Betty Davis, Joan Crawford's known for, you know, um, Mommy Dearest being a strict mother. So I think people in her generation admired her because she did keep a swift household. Now, Betty Davis is known for, she's got Betty Davis eyes. Right. That's all anyone knows about Betty Davis in this generation. So, of course, they're going to love Betty Davis. Yeah, I well, Madonna like, yeah. sang about her in Vogue, too. Yeah, yeah. so Every, there you go. Team Betty Davis! <laughs> Everybody's Team well, Betty. Well, I mean, in terms of versus one another. I mean, in terms of a pick between them as human beings. Who Are there people going, listen, I get it. I get where Joan came from, and I get the struggle. I f. Betty for what she did to Joan, or and the people who are what I believe is that I I just think Betty was the cooler of the two, and the and and I think that Joan was just really crazy. I just love a bitch. <laughs> I love a bitch, and I think a lot of people like a bitch. Like people oh like so there's people who do who would say you know Joan, Joan is yeah, right yeah, over for Betty. Sure. Okay, good. People like a bitch, but right. Betty was such a bitch too. But Betty was a smart bitch, right? Yeah. Be- Joan was <laughs> a messy. Like- Joan was a messy in your face bitch, and would throw <laughs> so shade good. at you. You know, Betty would throw some shade at you, and then you would walk out the room and be like, mm, "Did she Wait, throw did shade? Just- did that bitch yeah. throw shade at me?" Joe would give you the shade and then give you an umbrella to help you. That bitch was good. Right, right, Seems right. good. I think <laughs> she oh was God. the shadiest bitch alive. I love her. I feel like um, Joan is the vulnerable one, and Betty is the stronger mm-hmm. one. Right? Joan had no confidence. Betty had all the confidence. Mm-hmm. Betty didn't have confidence in like you know in sex simple status way, mm-hmm. like I'm sexy and that kind of thing, like Joan did. But she was a strong, confident woman, and and Joan wasn't as much. Exactly. Joan performed as if she was like she she made sure she pretended to have command in the world and wherever she was onset offset but she didn't have any she was very vulnerable and very alone mm-hmm. yeah and you know yeah. what everyone loves a struggle and Joan came, started from the bottom now we're here now we here. Joan was that mm-hmm. bitch. So people Ooh. can relate to that because not Excuse everyone me. had everything handed right. to them. And she is very open about that and was very vocal about that throughout her career that she built this for herself. Mm. So I think a lot of people would be on Joan Crawford's side. See, okay. I don't know. Good to know. I don't know. We'll 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 take it to a Twitter poll tonight uh, and we'll we'll see what everybody mm-hmm. has to say. Thank you. Um how about Betty teaching B D to act? Juxtaposition like the juxtaposition of Betty teaching B D and then her with Victor Bono. And so she's seeing unbelievable talent in one hand and then completely the opposite with her daughter and just the frustration on her face was hilarious. Can we just go back and give some more love to Victor Bono before we even get there? Like, this guy was such a phenomenal actor and for him to blow away, you know, first she was so judgmental, but watching how 
assertive he was, and just in the scene, like he just was such a natural. Mm-hmm. Well, she said she she likes talent. Mm-hmm. Yes, she said, "Oh, I love mm-hmm. talent." Because well, takes talent to no talent, and she that's what she respects. Is that mm-hmm. why you like me so much? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love myself. I love myself. The Absolutely. thing I like about her is there's no beating around the bush. No bullshit. Mm-hmm. No bullshit. She literally told the director, "Bill her as B.D. Merrill." She should not have my last name. Mm -hmm. And they did. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how I was wondering, I was like, why didn't she use her mother's last name? Because she was not allowed to. Mm -hmm. Why, though? Let's talk about why. Because she was going to tarnish her reputation. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. It was a bad reflection on the Betty Davis brand. But she handled it differently than... I feel like if that were Joan's daughter, Joan would have beat her down. And I feel like Betty could have been so much harsher, and she was... She handled it as well as I, Betty. Even looking it. at the interviews of Betty uh, the, from the, she, you guys, check it out. You want to see Betty Davis? This is your life in the '60s, late '60s, and then all the other interviews she does, even before her death. She's a cool chick. Yeah, but yeah. let me just say this: it's obvious that she puts her work over her family. Yes. Oh, when yeah. Beatty goes down and says, "I want, I want to run lines," she's like, "Oh, I'm already doing that with this guy." Meanwhile, she was just hanging and shooting the shit. What was that about? She likes talent. So she Why was she going to waste her time with BD, who the next morning was not going to get great overnight? She's like, I'm not wasting my time on her. She's lame. She's going to be lame tomorrow. I got to work with this guy. So Betty Davis. And her scenes <laughs> don't it's make true. Yeah. See, but I see as a director, right? And and Betty had a director's eye. No, you can have that breakthrough with an actor or an actress. She I know tried. myself. Did you not see her like this in the scene? Like, I want to die. But you know, I think, yeah, because I think she was too. Anyway, and I, th- I think I could have gotten a better, I think I could have gotten a better performance Listen, out of her. Listen, I remember in the movie, you pointed out, and you know me, I'm a stickler for performances. And, you know, even when we're on a set, I fight to get the performance out of somebody, and I really will to the very bitter end. However... You really hated her performance and whatever happens to Baby Jane. Yeah, when we watched whatever happened, when we watched whatever happened to Baby Jane, I I couldn't believe like who is this terrible actress came for you next door. I couldn't for the next door neighbor's daughter. I could not believe in such a well made film. I was like, "Uh," and then I didn't know. And then when I found out it was the daughter, I goes, "No, makes makes sense." sense. But I didn't. It didn't bother me. She just seemed like a dopey daughter. Like she just didn't bother me. She was inconsequential to the movie. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I think Betty spent more time with Victor because his goal was important. Exactly. Wait, that's different from exactly. That's different from being a bad actress. Inconsequential movie. I did not. I didn't think she, she didn't, it didn't bother me like, I'll shut the movie off. No, it's one I of my know. favorite films. I just was like, huh, that's weird that we have such fine actors and who's this? Fern, did yeah. you, did you, had you noticed her acting? I thought it was awkward. I was like, who's this weirdo? Where's this movie going? <laughs> and then we didn't see her again. So it didn't, I didn't <laughs> yeah. even really remember it. And there's no, there's no substantive material I can find about how she got the role. Just something very small in Mrs. Bates' biography that she wrote years later. Her daughter was supposed to have that role, and she went through wardrobe. And then later she got a call from the director being like, well, Betty Davis's daughter is actually going to take that over. So I think her daughter was, I think that story was true. Her daughter was very pretty. She went into wardrobe. They saw her, and they were like, get her out of here. And they replaced her with BD. And who is it? who's Mrs. Bates? She was Lila Quartermain on General Hospital, which I didn't no watch General way! Hospital. Mrs. Quartermain? Yes, Anna Lee. <gasps> wow. Mrs. Yeah. Quartermain was crazy. amazing. It was her yeah. daughter. It was supposed to be her daughter to play, be, to play the Whoa. Liza Bates. Well, soap opera star to movie star. That's crazy. Who's got more power? By the way, <laughs> did you notice that, like, um, you know, J- Betty thought BD's performance was shit? Yeah. 
but the minute Hedda said it, yeah. it was done. Well, yeah. Like, don't come from my that's kid. A true and you better not yeah. print that. Like, that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I love that Hedda, I hope I'm not jumping ahead, when Hedda says, I know, you know, what we think of Joan oh. trying to connect and turn the uh, tables yeah. around. But yeah. Betty's too smart for uh-huh. her. Betty was too smart for her. She couldn't use that on her. She could use it on Joan. But she couldn't use it on yeah. Ben Davis. Mm-hmm. But even Joan, I really loved in this episode how Joan had a heart after that. Yeah, back up and go when yeah. she's doing her work. Oh, by the way, shout out to the little speakerphone. This is 1961, <laughs> people. Isn't that cool? That for the yeah. super rich people, whatever, right. speakerphone. Oh, and yeah. oh, so cool. Good I love technology, that. yeah. I love yeah. that. But, you know, she's and she's doing a little Jane Fonda workout, smoking like a chimney and drinking like a fish. But she's doing her little thing. And, and in that moment, she was feeling soft. For uh, Betty Davis, like you said, mm-hmm. you were saying she was getting she was getting emotional. Yeah, yeah. you know. And I also liked bad. in that in that drinks where Betty said, you know, we don't have to be friends; we can be allies. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And it's funny because they both needed a friend. Yeah, they both had no friends. You know, it's so true. But, but no one's but, gonna say I'm lonely yet. You know, like right. you know what I mean. Like right. they could have been such great friends and such great allies throughout the history of their careers. Yeah. Right. But no one will ever admit that they need someone else. Yeah. Well, well those soon, two won't. Yeah. And soon after that, they, they the montage scenes of them acting on the set and really just tormenting each other. You know, that scene where Betty had to carry Joan. It can't be easy to have to pull her off a bed, lift her, move her, shift her, and all that. <laughs> I mean, they're, and, and they're both 60-year-old women mm-hmm. and, you know, and they don't take care of themselves. So and imagine carrying that dead weight. Terrible. And, and then we see that she's wearing a weighted belt? <laughs> you little shit. And then the other one's Betty's kicking her in the head and they're just, they're literally torturing each other. Yeah. Let go of the rope, ladies. Mm-hmm. Let go of the rope just so insane do your job like unreal unreal um the argument about well the oscar uh in 1950 all about eve you know oh, she was like yeah. i should have won it then and i agree that she was far better than the person who did was it joan fontaine i don't know who won it in 50 but and this is getting off the subject i'm sorry guys but gloria swanson i always felt should have won it actually for sunset boulevard Ooh, that is a hard one. That is a tough one. By the way, like when you look at the Oscars, there are often times where there's just so many good performances. It's really, really hard where you're like, God, it could have gone either way. And that was obviously a year where, I mean, Sunset Boulevard was amazing. Okay, okay, so note to Oscar voters of today or any day and write this down. Before you vote, ask yourself if in 30 years... This performance or this movie is still going to be talked about a matter. Matter. If so, vote. That's a good. You don't gauge. go Shakespeare in love. Go look at the, the the movies that Stephen. Are you in the booth? Can you look up the movies that lost to Shakespeare in Love? Shakespeare in Love wins the that Oscar. Was Gwyneth Paltrow and yeah. uh, okay, uh, uh, do not come for Goop. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> don't I'm come not, for Goop. I'm not coming for Goop. She is a friend of the show. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> okay. What am I, what I'm, Gwyneth's a great actress. What I'm saying is, we, you know, we see some of these performances that are not memorable. Uh, you know. Anyway, I well, can give several examples. So, 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 Gloria Swanson, I remember that role, and I remember Betty in All About Eve. I do not remember the other one, and that is because it's not significant. Here's the jam. I understand where you're coming from, but you know what? People have to be crafty. 
if you see someone's going to be the front runner in Best Actress, you move your ass to Best Supporting Actress. That's what Viola Davis did this year, oh, and no that's way. how she won. Mm-hmm. She moved herself to Best Supporting Actress. How do you do that? I didn't even realize that was a thing when they were on set fighting about Billing. you know Hedda's article and how you are you know you're putting me in supporting and I and you're in lead and she's like, well, I thought that you had agreed to this. <laughs> no. It's the way you position yes. someone in billing. And I it's thought it was quite collegiate of you. Oh, no, no. You have to do it. A lot of actresses do it now. They put themselves in a supporting role to get the Oscar. But now you're screwing over the supporting people. No, no. It's it's all in the game. It's all in the game. Kevin, can you read it from there? No, I can't see it. So, Best Picture, Shakespeare in Love, one against Elizabeth. Life is beautiful. Saving Life Private Ryan. Saving, listen to this. Saving Private Ryan. Saving the Thin Red Line, which I'm baffled. There you All go. All those were insane. And no movies. one remembers or talks about Shakespeare in Love. No, so but Life is Beautiful. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That of was, course, Life is Beautiful. Thin Roberto, Red Line. Uh, All of them keep going. Benini, yeah. Saving Private ah, Ryan. No, no, no. Not Saving Private Ryan. Same Private Ryan, no. Was not that bomb. Oh my god! Such a good movie. Great. Oh my god! Oh Don't my. get muted. Don't get muted. White man in the booth. Don't get muted. Up, you did it. Straight white man in the booth. Listen, we have to get back to feud, people. We're we're digressing. Okay, wait. I have to say one thing that I am obsessed with about this episode, and there was a big like theme of youth. Mm. It started with if you notice when Joan goes home and there's no children. You know when you hear the yeah. when they hear the sound of young children, it reminds you that you're young. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Yes. Wait. Yes. Because you know what? When kids grow older and they're not home, that means you're old. Which is why she ran mm-hmm. to the orphanage and baby. tried to buy another mm-hmm. baby. And then they tell her you're too old. Mm-hmm. Crushed her. Crushing. Then she goes on set on the beach. And she is like crushed from being let down about the kid yeah. that she tries to make herself look younger and younger yes. and younger. Yeah. And she overhears the compliment that she keeps on getting five years younger. And she's that, dying. She and she's loves dying that. and she loves it. Who but wouldn't? then Betty Davis gets the same compliment, and it's not about vanity, it's about her craft. Mm-hmm. Which is her Achilles heel. Which is her Achilles heel. Exactly. So it's this big thing of youth. Yeah, that great was catch. Big, it was yeah, such a Betty, big. Betty is compliment for looking younger, but without makeup, it's her performance. Mm-hmm. Well, also think about it, guys. In that scene, she was just set free of the greatest burden that she had ever been carrying. Right? She didn't do it. Now I'm free, and so now Betty's so good. I have the chills. She's so good at at, at communicating that through her acting that she reverts. And gets younger. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. And you know what's funny is in the scene where um, Mamacita, Joan, and the two twins were in um, out for dinner, right? The bows. Why would they make such a big deal of the bows? Because she wanted to keep the girls yes. young. Thank yeah. you. I wanted, I wanted to, to see if you guys young. thought the same thing because we knew, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but we knew uh, a silent movie star, an old movie star, who used to keep her baby in a crib till the age of 13 so that when people came over they could say darling have you seen the baby come over and see the baby so crazy 13 in a crib so she would feel like she still had a baby and she was still young this was a big thing back then which is why kudos to you for catching that whole youth message Mm. in this because it was such an important thing back then but let me ask you a question did you in the whole show do you know where that bow is it's on top of Betty Davis's head the whole movie Oh, oh Justin. my God! You are so much better than us at this. <laughs> nice. You Holy are amazing. shit! Yes. 
And if you watch the movie, she starts off, and then when she's like, you know, she when, in the beginning, she's when you like, watch oh. Baby Jane, when you watch Baby Jane, she's like fat and slobby, and she's running around and she's cooking for her, for her um, sister. It's when she gets in her manic state and it starts to yes. go downhill. Mm-hmm. She takes the bow off the doll and puts it on her head. You're right. And then mm-hmm. she she opens the 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 mirror. She sees the mirror and she sees herself in it. And it goes. She her mind goes back to that young stage yeah. before she had all this that little girl performing. She, yeah, when she was the biggest star. Honey, it's Boom. that bow, girl. I'm gonna wear that bow on my head my whole life. <laughs> Drop the mic, Justin. You don't Drop see the, the bow. Mic. You nice. do not see the bow, but it's there. Wow, <laughs> great, nice. great catch. That's awesome. I love it. Um, I also loved um, when Betty was saying that the only real legacy is your kids. And I wonder how much she really believes that because she did deny BD helping her and she did deny her her name too. She right? also mimicked, she called the the home the, the home for her, her uh, mentally disabled child. Yeah. yeah, who didn't want to talk to her because mm-hmm. she probably hadn't talked to her ass in years. She's like, she's like it's mommy. She's like, who, bitch? Yeah, yeah. literally. No, she was like, mommy, why aren't you here? Why aren't you, you know, why can't I see you? Yeah, but you know what? She did mean it because if you watch at the end... Beatty's like distraught over her performance and she says no 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 this was just your first film yeah, yeah. you'll get better mm-hmm. you yeah. know she's now right. boosting her up because right. she now knows that that is and, your legacy and I feel that that's accurate because just again looking at all those old interviews she's just she seemed like a tough lady but I don't know she seemed like cool lady too Betty Davis like yeah. I don't you think she was come, heartless you just want to come for Crawford <laughs> yeah unfortunately Kevin I that was coming with Kevin I just, but you know but like Fern said it's so hard when you know their background and you know I that she got no love and no affection from I her know, mom I, and I, she just became a product of her environment she, absolutely like we said. the problem is I guess here's where it hits me is a, 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 when I've directed before is Betty's going to be tough but she's going to be tough because she wants the best for the film, and that's mm-hmm. the best actually for you yeah. as a director. Whereas Joan wants what's is going to really want what's best for Joan, and that's yes. a nightmare. A nightmare. And, and I was like cringing at the, oh, I have to go back to my dressing room. Oh, I have to go back to and my... And she was lying and, ahead of the whole time and, saying and, it was Betty doing that. And to mm-hmm. give you guys some reference, this was a movie that had no money, no budget. And it was on a very tight schedule, like four weeks they had to shoot this. So, and when you do a beach scene, you are fighting daylight. You literally only have a, a certain amount of, um, of daylight hours, hours. to yeah. shoot. And then those locations are rented or whatever. And they cost only, a lot. Only so many days. And you only, you know, so I was just like, come on, man. I know. Like that, yeah. So, anyway, that's why it, it hits me. I, I'm. That's why I'm Team Betty. Yeah, because they try to torture everybody. Um, How about, can we move on to... um, And it was nice what she did with the daughter, I thought. Yeah. Do you think it was genuine with BD? I do. I think it was 100% genuine. I thought it was her moment to have that realization that, you know, she had her mother, didn't have her mother, and BD needed hers. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Betty was close with her mom, but she, yeah, her now, mom passed. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, now this is all I have. My legacy is my children. Yeah. And I think she also, Betty was tough, but I don't think she had a personality disorder. I think Joan had an undiagnosed personality For disorder. For sure. A so good point. She, yeah, so she. Why is the left side of this room <laughs> coming for Joan? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I kind of get it because I respect people who are hardworking and who are for the best 
for the project. And I think that Joan just, Joan started out that way maybe and like really cared about this project. But then she was just like, no, now my job is to torture everybody mm-hmm. for torturing me, even yeah. though they weren't torturing her. So it was just bad. It just, it just dis- doesn't work. Um, so Joan is alone. She has this amazing scene with Mamacita who, you know, you'd like to think Mamacita cares, but I don't think she cares. <laughs> she was like, okay. Oh, no, I think she does. No, but she was so cold. Because that's who Mamacita is. Yeah. I know. She's German. She's German. She's yeah. German. Oh. oh, poor German people. <laughs> Guys. She just wait, called wait. her Mamacita. Isn't that interesting? She's German, but she calls her, uses a Latin. Like, Joan had just come back from Rio Mama at Cita, the time she got Mama Cita, and she heard everyone saying, like, Cita this, Cita Stop that. And she's Is that like, true? I'm just going to call you Mama Cita, yeah. <laughs> you look this up? It's in Joan Crawford's biography. <laughs> oh, my there God. So wait, on wait, what happens to Mama Cita? I wanted she to ends know. up going back to Germany in, like, the early 70s, so she wasn't with her when she died. But. Oh. I love that Fern's like, yeah, she just got back from Rio right when she got Mama Cita. Like, she acquired her ah! ass off of eBay or something. Did she rent her? Was she a rental? She got her. She got her from the neighbor. Right when she got her, she just got a real. I'm like, bitch, is she a car or a, a person? Oh my she's god, that's so funny. But but it's crazy. So she's alone, and then she goes to adopt again, and she gets denied because she's too she's too old. Old. And he had no problem saying she's right. too old to make movies. She's too old to have a partner. She's too old. For everything to even have a kid, mm-hmm. and she's got the means and everything. I felt so bad for her in that moment. Yeah. I did too, but I also feel like it, a lot of people think of that time in their life as like now I can relax and do the things I always wanted to do. I can travel. I she's can read too relaxed. She has nothing she to has, do. She doesn't like people who can't be alone. Don't love themselves, and she doesn't have her own interests, her own you know love of things that she likes to do. She needs to find herself. Yeah, she needs other toys to play mm-hmm. with. Yeah, because people who can't torture. be alone just get bored easily. Sorry, <laughs> I love myself. I'm just bored. I'm dying. <laughs> burn it, burn. I don't know. My husband it, travels a lot. I'm like, that's fine. I have like a million books to read, and documentaries to watch. Like, get out of here. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Kevin gets so excited when I leave. He's like, oh my god. Same thing. The kids and I are gonna have a party. Right? Yeah. yeah. yeah so we're gonna get easy. donuts, and we're gonna watch documentaries. <laughs> I'm home. I don't know how to. I won't turn a TV on by myself. It just will never happen. It is the rarest thing to see me turn on a TV. Really? I just keep working and just buzzing around mm. the house. And By the way, if I was not here right now, I'd be in my pajamas watching Lifetime. Because yeah. that's what I do on Sundays. So I love Take nice. out and LMN because they play all the old Tori Spelling and Tiffany Amber Thiessen movies. <laughs> not without my daughter, 16 <laughs> and pregnant. Oh and I literally sit there, eat my tie, and I don't move. Oh my god! Phone off. Phone off. That's not awesome. So funny. But when you're, but it's one thing when you're bored. But then I think she was very unhappy. She's self. It's torture to be alone. Yeah. To be alone with her thoughts. Think about being in that frame. Yeah. No, for sure. Like it must be totally. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is so they have to reshoot the beach scene because of Joan coming out looking younger and younger and younger. Oh, but what about and the scene between Alfred Molina, between um, Richard Atkins and Jack Warner? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the screening of the, the yeah. movie and the ending, and he hated it. He was like, no, we agreed on the ending, but she keeps getting younger looking. And, and, and it's he's absurd. Like, and then, but the ending is like, and it's just a B movie anyway. Oh my yeah. God, like what motivation is that to finish? That was just shame. No, you got to break a bitch down. Mm. That was his thing. His thing was controlling um, people by breaking them down, which is why he got Joan Crawford in the first place yeah. to break Betty down. 
Mm. You, so do you think he really believed it was a B movie? Yeah, for sure. Oh, he, they all did. Yes. He, yeah, I think yeah. he thought they were old hags, and that Joe—is that his name? Joe, the director, Richard uh, Atkins. Atkins. Robert. Robert. No, Robert. Robert, Robert that Robert oh, was. Excuse oh me. God, Robert sorry. was just like a like a struggling, you know, director, yeah. and that it was a B movie. It wasn't anyone big. Mm. It wasn't a big budget. So he really believed that. Okay. Yeah. So no. So he wasn't just saying it to break him down. He really believed it. Yeah. yeah, but you don't tell somebody that it's a B movie. <laughs> Even nasty. if it's a B movie, you just keep it. Well, well, I, I think it's just well, being nasty. nasty. I don't think he did Hollywood it intentionally. Rude. I think it was just being Hollywood rude. But when we have to redo the scenes, like when you watch Jessica Lange, first of all, because we're so obsessed with Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, we forget to talk about the actresses sometimes. Jessica Lange nails Joan Crawford on that beach. 100. Like, oh. I didn't even know I wasn't watching Joan Crawford. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, Nails her. Nailed it. But do you imagine that... Okay, so Joan Crawford goes to get the children from the orphanage, and they tell her, no, you're too old. She sits on the beach for that retake later, and she goes, I'm dying. And then you see the one tear come down over mm-hmm. her eyes, mm-hmm. because that's her cue that she's getting old. Mm-hmm. Like, it's no, art imitating lies. And, yes. and let me add to it, when Betty looks at her and says, we could have been friends, it meant <gasps> yes. Mm-hmm. No, guys, Eve, keep yeah. going, keep going. Mm-hmm. I crippled myself. Yeah. Yes. I drove at you, but mm-hmm. you got out of the way because Betty's smart enough to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. She knows what Hedda Hopper's doing. Yeah. And you got out of the way, and I crippled myself attacking you. Yeah. And in the end of the day, Chills. we could have been friends. friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We wasted it all, and and it moves Betty. It moves um you know the Betty Davis in the scene. You see yeah. her. It's not even her shot, and she's moved because she hears it. Like, it was just all really? parallel. Mm-hmm. stuff. It was oh crazy. When she said we could have been friends, I'm like, oh my god. Right? How much that must have meant in that moment. Everything that they were speaking in those in that scene. I wanted to crush you, but you saw the car coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. look, this is what she's been doing with Hedda the whole time. But you mm-hmm. saw it coming. You saw... And she didn't let Hedda, and Hedda didn't let her turn her in that moment when she came to her house and she's like, you know how we feel about Joan. Mm. No, she saw that car coming. She's like, uh uh-uh, uh, you're not taking me no, down. No, no. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I-, I love how y'all hate Joan Crawford. That's crazy over there. Uh, I'm feeling some animosity from that side of the room. You people stay over there. Uh, <laughs> did we leave anything out? Because I think there's nothing more than that last scene um, and those last well, lines. I think, to again, really I want to go back to my voice. Boy, Victor Bono and and his going in the red light district or whatever. Like, did you oh, buy the rights to them. Victor Bono's name? You know what I think? Because you are pushing how, Victor Bono. How great was that actor? Pl- is that actor nailing him? Yeah, it's right? unbelievable. He's nailing him. But then also, no. Let's think about Betty going to bail him out. Yeah, mm-hmm. with the amazing sti- line too. And, mm-hmm. He was researching a project. Yes. How dare you? How not? How, I guess. How do you not be Team Betty? I'm team Betty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, she Sorry, goes Jeff. there and she, 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 I know she defends his talent. Sorry, she Bill. defends his choices. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was amazing and we just have to give it a shout out. That, you know what? You know, you know what? And he's like, and I couldn't yes. call my mother, so I called you. You can all be team Betty. But let's not forget that Betty would not be in this movie without Joan. Without uh, Joan. Yes. Right. No, 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 I agree. And she wouldn't have been in feud and it wouldn't have been this whole thing without Joan. Joan started it. She did. She grabbed the book. And I and I love her for that, right? I do. But well, no, it's not really a but. I love them. I do love them both. I'm just saying, like Betty is a to me is a really cool lady. I mean, even seeing the interviews with her, it's like that's someone I would have loved 
to have hung out with. There's another great interview with Joan she did in the late 60s with an Englishman. It's black and white. Have you seen that one? No. That's out there on YouTube as well. And just see the difference of somebody who's... Oh, Joan's interview. I think Joan's Betty. interview. Oh, she's so affected in that she's interview. She's so affected mm-hmm. and restrained. And, just, and then you just see Betty from like the early 60s till 87. And wow, just what a... Just a cool lady, but I just I love the fact that she went and 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 took up for this guy. Yeah, I love that. Like you know, you see it in pop culture and in Hollywood. When you talk about people, sometimes you can't help but talk about a certain thing. You know, you talk about Michael Jackson, and you talk about the skin color. You talk about Kim. You talk about the booty. You talk about you know all these people, and there's something that's attached to them. And for Joan Crawford's life, it's always going to be Mommy Dearest. Always, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this is why. I mean, we we were talking uh, before the show, mm-hmm. uh, Fern and I, about BD writing her book about Betty and Christina, and you know it's a short term payoff. Um, you do, you know, she really destroyed her legacy, Joan. That's all we oh, remember. Oh yeah. Um, but you know they're now notorious themselves. They're both hiding out. They're both. It's not like they're celebrated. In yeah. fact, it's quite the contrary. People really don't like BD. Well, because that, and they don't like you know, Christina it, it's for that. like some things just need to be kept, you know, behind closed doors. Well, as I said, you you could write you could both of them could have written biopics, and what you do is you you discuss the good and the bad, yeah, and that's it. But when you say "mommy dearest" or "my mother's keeper," you're just coming right out there to say "my mother sucks," and this is all the reasons why. Yeah, you know. I feel like BD said she wrote good things, but nobody talks about them. Well, well, here's the thing: when you again, she did write some good things, and and in the interview, people only she remember the bad, though. Always, guys, and the title. Stores. No, it's the title. My mother's keeper, and she ends it with a letter to the mother, mm-hmm. like you know, s- saying all sorts of bad things. So you begin it and end it that way. It doesn't matter. She put some good in there. Well, BD wanted I, to make a doubt. But she still would have made a doll. It's Betty Davis, who's world famous. And as I told you guys, would you buy a book off a biographer of Betty Davis? Or would you buy a book off a daughter who knew and lived with her? You're going to buy it off the daughter. So she didn't have to go there. She still would have sold books. Yeah. And she got disinherited. So, like, she play lost her cards everything. Right. I mean, yeah. like it was, and no, again, it's just like feud, and it's just like that cliche about war. Nobody wins. Yeah, but you know what? There's many biographies about many people. But guess who's I'm picking up first? Kid Kelly. Who? You gonna oh. read a Kit, you gonna read a Kit Kelly yeah, yeah, before yeah, you read yeah, anything yeah, else? Kitty Kelly, Kitty Kelly, you know uh, Kitty Kelly, yes. Yeah, 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 but you yeah. know you gonna pick up a Kitty Kelly before you gonna pick up somebody else. I've read them but. all, but then I have to read another <laughs> one to like wash it down because some hers are like a little. Well, again, like, where I is think, she getting these sources? <laughs> well, again, what, so but much. they but they're very they're very sugar water. I think Kitty Kelly they come out in the moment. They're like ooh, mm-hmm. okay, but they're not. But let me tell you what you do. It's not my week with Marilyn. Yeah, like a book that you get that lives 40 years and you go you know what I gotta make a movie about this this is so well written this is so well done well let me give you the tea Kevin please for everyone watching this is how you buy a Kit Kelly book you never buy the first edition you wait for the reprint where people <laughs> challenge so awesome. her and then him. she puts the evidence in the book ah, and she smart. gives you an update like oh by the way I've never read one four years I ago didn't... Oprah tried to sue my ass but I won and here's why because I got her oh. daddy on the phone mm-hmm. good night Kitty Kelly <laughs> I'm in it right there wow alright and that was tea with the queen <laughs> I think wow. now I'm gonna read I don't have time you guys I, I keep I don't have time second have, edition I have to I... no no but don't even read it let me tell you what you do what? you get that goddamn audiobook. Love audiobook and you listen to that motherfucker on the treadmill how long does it take 
to listen to an audiobook. I always put an hour in. About four. I would say you would can finish it in a week. Oh my lord, you guys are hilarious. <laughs> guys, that is our show for Feud. Guys, Season 1, this. episode 3. No. I can't wait for episode 4. What about the production design? Do, do can we, we talk any, about the greens and yellows? Do can we, we talk about the contrast in those houses? Any predictions for next week? Oh. oh. After Buzz TV predictions. I think it's going to now start with the release the billing and the Oscar buzz. That's no. going to be... Gonna that's going to be... Yeah. That's going to get ugly. I think the Oscar buzz, it's like, this is war. Mm-hmm. I can't yep. wait. And speaking about youth, uh, you know, what about... And, and them at the end of their careers, we guys moved at all about them having to pack up their own little yes. crappy dressing rooms. Yeah. And that last shot of the two of them looking at each other, the Coke machine behind Betty, yes. which, by the way, she brings... She Did she orchestrate the yes, Coke machine? Yes, that was her screw with okay. Joan. So then it's like... that, And then to see Joan walk by the Pepsi machine and the Coke machine and put her cigarette out as she walks by, it's like, it's on. Oh, my God. And, There's so much energy And just so you know, there's the going to be places. so much more because you have Oscars, but yeah. then you have another movie that they're going to mm-hmm. make together, or not. Just wait and see. But by the way, you know who's about to show up and fuck some shit up. It's motherfucking Christina. I can smell it. Oh, yeah. She is coming. Christina is coming. Christina. Christina. Guys. Can we, I'm trying to find BD and I'm trying to find Christina. BD does, it runs some Christian ministry. She's born again Christian. And Christina's pretty much off, seems like a little bit off the ground. She does like a sales and marketing (laughs) hotel in Nevada. I think Christina's like literally practicing for a play that Joan is like, secretly like funding from the grave (laughs) but it's never actually going to come out so she's like practicing and practicing for this play that's never going to open man all right guys at maria menounos at the lady center at fern renee at undergaro we'll be back next week for episode four can't wait i know you guys can't wait either if you love our after show we have after shows for almost every tv show out there Go to AfterBuzzTV.com to find your favorite show or just download us on iTunes. Any other uh, reminders before we go? I think if you like Bar Rescue, I do the AfterBuzzTV Bar Rescue after show. Fern, what about you? One of our favorite shows. The Housewives. Mm -hmm. I do Divorce on HBO, which was so good. And we're just exclusive to The Feud, so we're just here for The Feud, guys. Thanks for joining us. And uh, until next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Bye. 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 The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 